you want an insight into the minds of the industry professionals, then there's only one place to be. One place to be. The Ins and Out Podcast with your host, Kane Silver. In this episode of the Ins and Outs Podcast, I speak to actor, singer, dancer, all-round superstar performer, Mr. Joe Aaron Reed. Joe is currently in London visiting, working on a project, which he tells us about in this podcast. He recently finished his stint as the original cast in Dreamgirls. He is originally from the States and he's in the UK working. He tells us about his experience and his journey from being an ensemble to being a main in Broadway in the West End and what that was like. It's quite daunting doing these podcasts sometimes, meeting someone for the first time that you've only ever spoke to via social media and you arrange to meet up to talk and kind of really go into it with no idea of who they are or what they're about. But I can honestly say that Joe was the most welcoming guy. He was so honest and very humble and truly inspiring person. So I hope you take a lot from this as I did. So here is Joe Aaron Reed. And we're in, motherfucker. Hello. 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 It was, it's lovely to meet you. <laughs> Likewise. <laughs> I mean, I'm glad we made it work because I was turning up three weeks early for one of them. <laughs> oh, my God. That's right. I got your message and I lit- I got this like shiver of panic of I'm not there. I don't know what you're going to be doing. Yeah. Wh- where are you? <laughs> I was like, so we're meeting tomorrow morning. And you were like, uh, nope. No, we're, we're certainly meet- not. We're meeting in February. <laughs> yeah. I was like, all right. All right. We'll meet then. Well, let me just turn it down because it's flickering. You project your voice very sorry. well. I'm drained. Yeah, don't be sorry. It's good. Are we good? Yeah, hello? we're good. Hello? Hello? Can you hear yourself? Hello? Hello? Yeah. Hello? Hello? Yeah. Yeah, that sounds good to me. So, what are you in London for? Because you live in France, right? I live in France now, just temporarily. Okay. Um, I, uh, I moved in November after I left Dreamgirls, and I am here just to do a workshop of a brand new musical, mm-hmm. um, which... You know, quite honestly, uh, at this point, I've done a lot of musicals. Mm-hmm. And at this point, I'm really kind of ready to take a break from that. But, you know, it's a little two-week gig working on something new, creating a brand new character, working with all new people. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't know where things like that are going to go. So ground up is always a great time to get in on something. Yeah. Um, and uh, career-wise, it's, you know, if I'm going to work on a musical at all, um, I really do want it to be something that's new and I'm creating something that's completely... Yeah, you know, you're the original. Yeah, exactly. The original to it. Because, I mean, even with Dreamgirls, you know, like I originated Dreamgirls in London, but mm-hmm. I didn't create the role of Curtis. Yeah. I just created it here. Yeah. So You're the first person to do it on the UK show, yes. but obviously the American It was done in the 80s, done. you know what I yeah. mean? So so uh, so to get in on the ground up for projects is always, for an actor, that's thrilling. Yeah. So are you primarily an actor or a singer actor or what's your what's your, what's your forte uh, how do you pitch it yourself does it depend it on depends the role? On, it depends on the role and it depends on who i'm pitching myself yeah. to but like um, we need a horse rider like I, I do that i'm great at that yeah yeah <laughs> um yeah i guess it just depends on the role um in in this show i i i like the show that i'm working on currently because you know uh it, it's based on the music. I don't even know if I'm allowed to talk about it, but it's based on the music of Bill Withers. Um, so he wrote songs like Lean On Me, Ain't No mm-hmm. Sunshine, Just the Two of Us. Um, and so uh, the music is very, like, you know the music, you feel the music, you've known the music for years. And mm-hmm. um, But the, the, the story is actually really good, and um, it allows me a chance to really act and have a huge character arc, which is pretty amazing. Um, so in, in this show... Uh, 
I guess I would say I'm more of an actor than a singer, but I do have like four songs to sing. Yeah. Um, so you still get to use use your vocals. Use the gift, you know. <laughs> and um, and you know I love dancing too, but in this case I get to just sit down and sit down and sing. Yeah, a song. yeah. Rest my weary bones. <laughs> <laughs> how old are you now, if you don't want me asking? Because uh, you don't look old, and you say weary bones. So how old do you think I look? Well. You said you've done lots of musicals, so I'm assuming you're you're, you're quite advanced in this industry. <laughs> but I would have said late twenties. Oh, I'll take it. Yeah, I'll take it. No, I'm 35. Oh, well done. Yeah, yeah congrats. Yeah. Yeah, you can the gr- the gray hair is being covered by the, the microphone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The headphone. Uh, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, win. Oh, dope. Yeah. Um. And so you live in France at the moment. What what spurred the move there? So, uh, li- as you know, mm-hmm. uh, living in London is expensive. <laughs> Just a <laughs> and bit. And so... Just a bit. Um, so, uh, my husband stopped working, and uh, I left my show. Mm-hmm. And so, we thought... And w- the, the kind of plan has been that we will move back to the U.S. at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said, I would like to take a break from doing theater, musicals, you know, and I'd like to focus my efforts more on film and television. Mm-hmm. And... Because of that, we thought, well, if I'm not going to be, you know, adamantly trying to to book a, a musical or a show on the West End here, um, and he's not working, and he's from France, so mm-hmm. we thought, well, why don't we just go live in France? You know, we have no mortgage, school is free, mm-hmm. healthcare is free, so basically our bills are groceries and gasoline for the car. Yeah. So. I just do like self tape auditions and stuff mm-hmm. from there and send them to the s- to my managers in the states and to my agents here and you know and when something picks up and I hit it you we'll go, go. To the location and then I guess it's part of the the negotiation is while I'm here you help me stay somewhere Fine. And stuff exactly like that, you know I mean? exactly and uh, you know the kids are in school there so you know if I have to go shoot somewhere for a couple of months I we can all go together if we want or mm-hmm. the kids can finish out the school year I can go do my thing, come back, pack us all up, we can go. You know, it just buys us flexibility, which is, you know, at this point, I'm glad we're in a position where we can do that. Yeah, 100%. You know, we're very lucky to be able to do that. And, and well, and it's because obviously you're uh, experienced in this industry now and you're obviously have established yourself, whereas if you were 21 and fresh out, yeah, it probably no, no, wouldn't no. be such no, an No, you kind of have to, to you know, because a lot of this, uh, in most businesses, it's a lot of who you know, but in this business especially, especially. you know, who you take class with, who you, who your friends, friends with, you mm-hmm. know, so you kind of have to be here and hitting the pavement constantly, especially when you're young. Yeah. But when you are older and people know who you are, you have a CV or a resume that kind of speaks for itself at times, um, you know, you have a little bit more freedom. Yeah, dope. Um, tell me about your background. What got you into being a performer? Have you always done it since you were a kid? Uh, kind of. You know, I started doing plays and stuff in school. Um, and I was just kind of like an eccentric, rambunctious kid with a lot of energy that <laughs> was like, what are you guys doing? Okay, cool. I'm dope for that, you know? Yeah. And, um, and I liked uh, gymnastics. I was a huge, like, acrobat, tumbler, loved, 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 which I saw you do too. Yeah. You yeah. Do, yeah I think it's amazing. A little bit. Um, and so uh, I actually wanted to be a gymnast when I was a kid, but mm-hmm. then I was like 5'2 when I was like 8. So <laughs> then it kind of went out the window. Um, but, uh, <laughs> so, but I, I still, I can still tumble, but, um, so I, I kind of got involved kind of, I was singing in church. My dad plays, you know, uh, the organ, the piano, things like that. And, uh, so I kind of got involved in singing and I was doing kind of gymnastics outside and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then it kind of all worked its way into musical theater at, in middle school and high school. Yeah. And then, so I kind of really liked that and I it seemed like I was good at it. People told me I was good at it. And so... I decided that that's what I wanted to study when I went to university. And uh, and then I, while I was there, I booked my first kind of job and 
I graduated college that night. I flew to New York and I started rehearsals for a show the next day. Where um where did you go to college or university? Uh, in uh, it's a college upstate New York called Ithaca College. Uh huh. Um, and it's kind of like one of the top like five musical theater programs in the country mm-hmm. in the United States. Um, so uh, yeah, it was good training, and I'm you know I had a lot of great classmates, and a lot of them you know in the musical theater world mm-hmm. they're very well known. Yeah. Um. So it's you know it's nice to to feel like I'm using my degree, <laughs> yeah. uh, but that uh you know that me and my peers that we've succeeded in in kind of our dreams and yeah. you know um hopefully we will surpass. Are you, you know. from New York? I'm originally from upstate New York, Rochester. Uh-huh. Uh, and then I moved after college. I moved to New York City, and I was there for ten years. And then we moved here. Uh, ten and years. Yeah, I know, thirty-five. <laughs> That's a good stint in New York, though. Oh yeah. I mean, I would go back. I ideally, I think I'd like to live in LA because after living in, in London, sunshine, man. I you mean, it's just the yeah. The weather's really nice there, and it's you know land of film and TV. Yeah. So well, I've lived in LA and London. I like LA for the weather. Yeah. And the opportunity. Yeah. But that's it. But that's my personal preference. Sure. Maybe because all my family and friends are here. Sure. You know, I did yeah. make some friends there, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But my three years there felt like a constant, like, battling everyone around me to succeed. Sure. You know what sure. I mean? It was just I get a very that. different Well, and that's where everyone, here. where most people, I would say, go to make it. Yeah. Go to LA. Go to Hollywood and try uh-huh. and make it. And I can imagine if you're there on your own, that seems... Oh, it's daunting of, at yeah, first. Yeah, you yeah, know yeah. I mean? You adapt to it. But yeah. Well, I think in it, part of it for me coming here, you know, we had no support network when we came here. I mean, I maybe knew two or three people, mm-hmm. um, but I moved over when when we moved. The kids were two and a half months years year, years old, and so you know, I had no job, I had no agent, I had really no friends. Two new babies. My husband just started going to work, and there I was with two kids and nothing else. You know, wow, that's mad. Um, I, r- I really want to get to that, but before I lose my trailer, yeah, yeah, go, go, go. Um, what was your college like? What do you mean? Uh, like what did you study there? Did you have, so to d- was it just musical theater or did you study like real academic stuff as well? I did. So we, the, the thing that I, one of the things that drew me to Ithaca was that, um, you know, one, we have like a lot of conservatories in the U.S., like CCM and Carnegie Mellon and things like that. That it's very intense conservatory training where you don't study other things. Mm-hmm. The one thing I liked about Ithaca was that it was a conservative, conservatory kind of training, but in a very liberal arts setting. So mm-hmm. I took sociology and psychology and math and computer classes and things like that. And I am so glad that I did that because you know part of what we do as performers, you know. N- eight times out of 10, you're not playing a performer. Mm-hmm. You're playing a person who you, you're performing in playing that person, but that person has to be a real person. Yeah. You know? And so I think when you learn about other things, you're able to apply your knowledge to a character. Yeah. Um, so I really like that. I think that's quite dope. I mean, the college I went to, you just did musical theater. You just did. Where did you go? Uh, I did uh, my first ever year. was just a dance foundation course because okay. I'd never done anything except Hip hop, sure. So I had to learn which you're very good at. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's the only thing I'm good at. <laughs> no, 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 no. no. <laughs> um, and you had to learn like basic ballet and stuff because I'd never had any experience in it. Sure. And then from there, I went and did a two-year foundational course doing a little bit of musical theatre, but still primarily dance. Sure. And then I got a scholarship to a place called Millennium, which is in London. Okay. Um, doing musical theatre, but I left after eight weeks because I couldn't stand it. Sure. Because I was like, okay, I don't want to act. You. I was like, I don't want to act and I don't want to sing. Yeah. And I don't want to do any of these techniques that you're teaching me. Sure. I just, I, like, I had a vision and I was like, I need to pursue 
I need to do this my way, not the way that you're trying to get me to do because sure. you're actually pulling me away from all the things I love about but this. You. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're making me learn things and invest time into stuff which doesn't fulfill me. Sure. So I didn't see the purpose of it. Sure. You know, so I got my basics and everything. Yeah. So it carried over and yeah. it's definitely beneficial. But what I love about where you went is that, I mean, I always say I never had a plan B. Like that, yeah. I always knew I was going to make it. Yeah. And I know that sounds, it might sound egotistic. It but, doesn't. That's but, how I've always felt. But it's like, I know that I will do anything to make sure this works. Sure. However, where you went, the fact that you were learning these other things as well kind of sets people up, not you specifically, but people up for, you do have a plan B because you've also learned other things on the way. Whereas here, we don't really get that. You go and you just learn your dance and stuff. Yeah. And then that's it. Yeah. And if you leave and say you do, say you don't book a job for two years, yeah. you've got to go and work in a coffee shop yeah. in the meantime. Whereas if you're going to go and learn and get a degree in other 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 aspects of life, like sociology or yeah. whatever, in the meantime, you've got something else that you can fall back on, which yeah. is dope. Yeah. I mean, you get the, the thing about our program was that like we, we definitely studied other things. Um, but you didn't, I remember at one point I, I might've been a sophomore or something like that. And, um, and I said to my advisor that I wanted to minor in sociology because mm -hmm. I found sociology fascinating. And they just told me, you don't have time. There's no time in this program with, uh. with the amount of coursework that we had. And then also, you know, I was in a show every semester. Mm -hmm. And then I also was doing, um, like the student run dance company called IC Unbound and we would choreograph our own pieces and put up our own kind of recitals once a semester. And so I was doing like all, I was busy. Yeah. Um, and so I realized that I wasn't going to have time to, to minor in anything. Um, but yeah, we definitely were, were taught other things and, um, and I'm, I'm grateful for that, but it definitely, I'm very similar to you and yeah. the idea of like, I remember my parents being like, but what if you don't? And I was like, I there's don't, no, there's, there's no, no yeah. Like, I don't know what you're talking. I don't, that doesn't you're exist. speaking Swahili to me right now. Yeah. Like I don't understand why, why you're even asking. That was always me. I felt like I always had the odds against me, but that kind of fueled me. I was sure. like, oh, this is cool. Sure, sure, sure. Obstacles, they're cute. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Just gives me a, a reason to keep pushing. Absolutely, harder, you know? absolutely. Um, you said after college you booked your first job. Mm -hmm. What was that? So uh, you guys have regional theaters here. We, mm -hmm. I, When I was uh, a senior, we go to the city for a week, mm -hmm. um, and we meet with alumni in all kind of different aspects of the business um and one day i skipped a whole day of that and just went to this audition because i was like i'm right for the show i love the show i'm gonna get this show brilliant how old and, are you uh i was 17 nice. no i'm lying i'm i was 20 okay and um, i was gonna say you're not even an adult <laughs> no no <laughs> no i was 20 and um and uh so i skipped all this stuff i ended up getting in trouble i ended up having to have a chaperone uh, for the rest of the time but but I booked the job, and with that job, I got my equity card, mm -hmm. um, which is much harder to do in the States than it is to well, do here. Hey, here, it's like, do you want it? Cool. You <laughs> just buy it. Yeah, exactly. And in there, it's it's very different. Um, what job was it? It was a show called Ragtime, and okay. it was at uh, a theater just outside of New York City called Paper Mill Playhouse, which is one of like the best mm -hmm. musical theater houses in the country. Mm -hmm. Maybe top, again, top five regional theaters in the mm -hmm. country. You want to work there. Yeah. Um, and so I... I started rehearsals the the day after I graduated college. So I had to graduate on a Sunday morning, fly to New York City Sunday night, and start rehearsals on the Monday morning. So I was lucky in that, um, you know, I didn't have to do the whole waiting game of, you know, waiting at auditions with my not, you know, being non-equity and yeah. hoping I can get an audition. Like, I just skipped all of that. With your headshot and resume, yeah. like begging for yeah, to be seen. Yeah, no, it was, I mean, I, I, and then, you know, when I was doing Ragtime, I ended up booking a job before I left Ragtime. So it was just... I've been very fortunate in this business. Did you book it as lead? 
No, I booked the understudy of the lead because I was too young to play the role. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, but I, and that is a role that I still have yet to play. So anyone, really? anyone who's out there listening to this, if you do a production of Ragtime, please let me play Cole House Walker Jr. Yeah. <laughs> the thing that you almost did. Yeah, almost. So were you ensemble except for that? I was ensemble, yeah. And mm-hmm. I was, you know, like a big dance track. And, um, yeah. you know, that's when you dance, if you act and sing in the States, maybe here too. I, I, I don't really know as much here, but definitely because I went through it in the States. If you act and sing and you dance, you have to really kind of decide where, where you want to go with your career because if they find out you can do the other thing, they will try and pigeonhole you there and mm-hmm. that's where you will stay. And so that's why I ended up being you know, uh, an understudy yeah. a lot when I was younger yeah. because I could be in the ensemble. I could dance the big numbers, but I could sing and act and do the role. They're going to get their money's worth. Exactly. <laughs> so um, so it was an, a nice change of pace coming here and yeah. being able to do How long did you do Ragtime? That was only like a, a, a couple of months. Um, and then uh, I ended up doing a couple of other shows. And then um, what was, I guess, my, my big kind of break would have been like, I did this thing called City Center Encores, which is a huge kind of, um, everyone wants to do them because they're short kind of contracts, but it's like putting up a Broadway show in a very short amount of time. Yeah. And I, I, I booked this one with, of course, you know, like I told you, Ragtime's like my favorite show. And I had always looked up to Brian Stokes Mitchell and Marin Maisie. And I booked this show at City Center Encores and it was with Brian Stokes Mitchell and Marin Maisie. And I remember first day of rehearsal and I had like, hot flash sweats <laughs> like i couldn't believe i was there you know? yeah totally totally yeah. um and then um you know and i and i don't know if you know of like elizabeth parkinson but she was there's a musical called moving out with mm-hmm. the music of billy joel and she was this sick dancer like yeah. sick i remember i mean just moved to tears when i saw her dance and she was this big dance part in the show. And I ended up getting to do this pas de deux with her. I'm 22 years old, <laughs> like dancing with this like Tony Award winning or Tony Award yeah. nominated, you know, insane dancer. Um, that was kind of like my big kind of welcoming into New York City proper. Mm-hmm. Um, and not long after, I found myself on Broadway and then was lucky enough to kind of stay there. What shows did you do on Broadway? My, f- my Broadway debut was uh, called Curtains, and it mm-hmm. was a, a Cander and Ebb musical. Who they wrote Chicago and Cabaret. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, f- coincidentally, my very next show was sh- Chicago. Um, of course. On Broadway. And Which then role did you play in Chicago? I, st- I was uh, the bailiff, mm-hmm. and then um, I also kind of did off and on Fred Casely. Yeah. Um, and that was, that was kind of like a dream come true. Any dancer loves – Fosse's yeah. just sexy. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I think for any dancer, kind of no matter what style you do or whatever, there's something kind of iconic about Fosse, yeah. which I think is uh, – it's very challenging but very rewarding at the it's same time. It's so subtle. Totally. It should be. And it's not dis- for everyone. Yeah, but and it's <laughs> descriptive. Do you know yeah. what I mean? I feel like there's so much detail with such little movements, but Absolutely. they're really powerful Absolutely. because there's not a lot happening. Absolutely. The things that do happen, you're really drawn to. Yes. It, you know what the I mean? intention behind it has yeah. to be so specific because otherwise, I mean, it, it just looks crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I watched it here um, just oh. before Christmas for the, and I'd never seen it before. Yeah. It's my girlfriend's favorite show. Oh, is it? Yeah. She's always like, we need to see it. So we went to watch it and my friend Todrick was in it. Oh, oh yeah. So Todrick Hall. Yeah. Todrick yeah, Hall. Yeah. So I went to watch him do it. And the first time I seen it and I thought it was great. The only thing I found really weird is that the cast, the ensemble were always sat in the chairs. The chairs down the wing. And yeah. I was like, why can I see everyone? Yeah. <laughs> well, that's kind of, yeah. That, that, <laughs> that was that the only thing where I was like, this is really strange. <laughs> I mean, what's funny when you're doing it, it, that part can can be great because you kind of feel like everyone is still in on it. Everyone's still watching. And at the same time, like, 
when you do the show every single day, that part can get really boring. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Watching th- the show. I was thinking, what if they need to pee? Yeah. So <laughs> you, so you, I mean, I definitely did leave sometimes if I had to. Um, oh, so you're allowed. Uh, not, <laughs> to a degree. Not to a degree. I mean, there are there are scheduled times off stage and and yeah. sch- times that are not. Um, I definitely maybe took advantage of that a couple of times more than a couple of times. <laughs> I definitely, I remember I was doing a, a, a charity event once <laughs> and we had rehearsed so much and I was so tired and I fell asleep in my chair. And I remember the guy who was doing Fred Casely, he like leans over to me and he starts snapping in my face and he's like, Miss Thing, you need to get up, you're sleeping on stage. <laughs> so embarrassing. That's Broadway. Yeah. <laughs> 10 shows a week. Yeah, exactly. That's what 10 it's shows a week like, does Oh you. my God. So, so you're in much. New York for 10 years. Well, did, yeah. did you enjoy living in New York? I did. I, it took me maybe like two years to really get into it because, I, you know, I'm from the suburbs and, um, you know, I liked my car and mm-hmm. my big house and my pool and, you know, like that's mm-hmm. what I was used to. Um, so when you move to the, the city and... In a box room. <laughs> in a box, you know, your apartment's tiny. You're paying out the ass for it. Um, it's like London on steroids. Yeah, well, there's just so, it's so compact. Mm-hmm. Everyone's on top of each other, and there's so many people. And the thing, what I like about London is it's very city-like, which is similar to New York. But at the same time, there is like a sense of calm. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's that whole saying, the cultural kind of thing of keep calm and carry on. Like everyone's a little bit more like laid back. Whereas mm-hmm. in New York, like everyone is rushing somewhere. Everyone has something yeah. to do. And Sometimes it can be exhausting, but other times it's just exhilarating because when you get there, it's like you can cut the ambition with a knife. Everyone is there for a reason. Mm-hmm. And New York, it can chew you up and spit you out. And if it's not for you, you'll find out very quickly. Mm-hmm. It took me about a year and a half to two years to kind of really get into it. But then once I, after, after two years, I was in love with it. And yeah. I, I would go other places and think to myself, I mean, it's fine. It's just mm-hmm. not New York. I'm not really interested in other, in other places. Yeah. Um, but as I, as you get older and you realize, you know, and you have kids and you, you know, you're kind of like, I want space, <laughs> you know, and like just breathing room, uh-huh. things like that. I went there twice. I went there once on tour and did a show there and I was exhausted because we we're on tour and I, our bus was in New Jersey, our tour bus. Okay. So I finished the show and I got in the car and I went straight to the tour bus. I yeah. was exhausted and some people went out for food and I, um, I woke up at like three, four a.m. Yeah. And like, obviously the the buses in America compared to here, like, uh, unreal. Yeah. Like, it's like a complete different class. Sure. Like, and it was like, basically soundproof. Sure. You know what I mean? And I was like, what the, where the hell are we? Why is there no one on the bus? Like, it's like 4 a.m. And I remember opening the curtains and I had Welsh boxer shorts on <laughs> and I was in the front of the bus and I was like, I'm in Times Square. Like, it was literally, the bus had pulled up outside the venue waiting for the people to get on the bus. Oh, get out. Okay. And I was like, Oh my God, why are there still hundreds <laughs> yeah. of people? It's 4 a.m. Yeah. Like, why is it still busy? Oh, and the city that never sleeps. I was like, why is it still busy? Truly. And yeah. then the second time I went there, I did a, a calendar called Red Hot 100 thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I did that. So I got flown out there for the launch of the first one of them. And I spent four days there. And it was amazing. But I was exhausted. Yeah. After four days, I was like, I'm exhausted. I don't know if I could live this life 24 seven you know you, for like you get used when you, you live adapt. there you get used to it i mean when i the first when we moved here it we didn't get back for maybe like two years we, mm-hmm. we we visited um and when i got there after like two days i was like oh my god i can't believe i used to live at this pace for 10 years like, yeah it's really hard and in the summertime especially i mean it's hot you're sweating yeah. left and right and the then in the winter is the complete other totally end. you're freezing and so i mean it is it is a hard lifestyle but once you adapt to it it's it's there's a rush to it, man. Yeah, yeah. And you sometimes I miss, I miss that kind of energy. Mm-hmm. Even here, 
sometimes people are almost too lax and maybe it's because I spent so much time in New York, but sometimes I'm like, guys, like I'll wait till you get to LA. I know I've already (laughs) experienced some of it and I'm like, I I don't know how that's going to be for me, but because I felt the same when I got back here from LA, I was like, Oh my God, everything's so fast. Oh really? Everything's like, but when I first went to LA, I was like, why do people walk so slow? Yeah. I mean, people barely walk. They're chill. But, you know what I mean? Everyone's so chill. Like, mm-hmm. like what are you doing today? I've got a busy day, man. i got a cast in. I'm taking class. I'm like, <laughs> that's two things. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's not busy. Yeah. But do you know what I mean? And then I came back, and I adapted to that, and I came back here, and I was like, fuck, Oof. it's too much. Yeah. You know? And in New York, it's like all day, every day. If you're not doing something, it's like, it's like if you're not swimming, if you're not breathing, you die. Like, that's how New York is. Yeah. That's why people, they move there for a year, and then they're gone. Yeah. Because you just, it's, it's too hard. Yeah, it's too hard. What other shows did you do in New York? Um, Any big ones like that people would know? Well, yeah, I mean, well, my the one after Chicago, I did Finian's Rainbow, which people most people wouldn't know. Um, and then I did what was came after that? Oh, uh, Catch Me If You Can. Oh, dope. Um, and that was actually very fun because m- uh, one of my roommates and friends in college was mm-hmm. Aaron Tveit, so he was uh, the lead of that. And it's not often. I mean, you get to. When you work with people, as you know, you become friends with them. But mm-hmm. it's not often that you get to work with people that you've already been friends with. And, you know, uh, when we were younger, like, he was, like, one of my best friends. So to be able to work with someone that you knew so well yeah. um, and to see him thrive as, like, the leading man of this brand new show, um, it was really, really fun. And I got to work, you know, with the team kind of behind Hairspray, yeah. which I was a musical that I loved. So uh-huh. that was very, very fun. And then um, I did uh, Ghost, which originated here. Yeah. Um, but we we amped up the dancing there, and I was one of the main dancers there. So, And what was great about Ghost was that they flew us over here to see the show so we knew what we were getting ourselves into because it, technically the show was kind of insane. The set and the moving, there uh-huh. were like travelators on the ground and all this kind of crazy in the video walls moving. And I mean, you could really get hurt if you weren't, if you didn't. Yeah. And the magic and stuff. I mean, it was pretty amazing. There's no falling asleep on that one. Yeah. 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 (laughs) No, not at all. And I remember there was this one number when we were watching it. And of course we had an open bar everywhere we went here. So, I mean, I was tipsy, but Mm -hmm. this one number started and it's called I'm out of here. And, um, all the dancers kind of came out and they had these like aviator glasses and these like sequins tuxedo jackets. And they're doing like all this kind of like, I mean, it was like queeny ass choreography, uh-huh. but they came on and I just lost my mind. And I was like, <laughs> and I stood up in the audience and I was like, I'm going to fuck that up on Broadway. <laughs> this shit's mine. <laughs> it's mine. <laughs> and I did. And I wish it had lasted longer. Um, but I had a, a really good time doing that show. Yeah. Um, that was a really fun one. Um, and then my last one right before I moved here was called If Then, which was probably one of my favorite experiences mm-hmm. on Broadway because I, uh, well, the director was Michael Greif, who directed Rent, yeah. who directed Next to Normal, um, and Dear Evan Hansen. I mean, he's, you know, s- you some directors you work with and you like them and you have a you have a good time and you have a great product and you know and then some directors you really learn from you grow as an actor you yeah. grow as a performer working with them because mm-hmm. they're the the amount of insight that they have and yeah. um you're you're not always blessed with a director like that and uh and in this case I was and I loved working with him. And also, you know, the, the, the stars of the show, you know, it was Adina Menzel. Who's and unreal. Who's unreal. And she's the nicest woman. And LaShawn's um, and Anthony Rapp and James mm-hmm. Snyder and Jen Colella and Jerry Dixon. I mean, it was just like 
it was just a great company. And the thing I loved about the show, and at that point I had actually told myself I didn't want to do ensemble anymore. Mm -hmm. There were a couple of other shows that I had booked and I had turned them down because I was like, I don't want to be the understudy anymore. Yeah. But this show, I, I, I ended up being an understudy. I took the ensemble track, but I did because it, I, it was an ensemble show. So, yeah. you know, I had characters to play in the show. I had solos to sing in the mm -hmm. show. Even as an ensemble. Even as an ensemble member. It was a small cast, mm -hmm. and um, it was a brand new original show. It wasn't based on a book or a movie or anything like that. The cast was dope. The creatives were dope. And I just thought to myself... I don't want to do ensemble, but this is one I don't want to turn down. I think I will grow from this one, mm -hmm. and I did. And I remember I, I was doing, um, you know, on Broadway we make more money than yeah. we make here. Yeah. Um, but I even then I was thinking to myself, I'm not making enough money. So I decided that during during that show I was going to get my real estate license. Nice. So I would go to school, real estate school, uh, during the day and do my shows at night. And I got my real estate license, and I and I remember. I had a birthday party and uh, the director, Michael Greif, came. And, you know, we had a good time and everyone's partying mm -hmm. and having a good time, whatever. And I remember when he was leaving and um, he said to me, he said, I know you got your real estate license and all and congratulations. He said, but I really don't want you to give up on the acting thing. Mm -hmm. Just before you give up on it, and I hadn't planned on giving up on it. I wanted to do it supplementally, but... You know, I, uh, had I, you know, done really well at that, perhaps I would have, you know, yeah. like, I don't know. But he said that to me, and that is something that I always remember now. Because mm -hmm. when I moved here, you know, I wasn't looked at as the dancer or the ensemble member. I immediately, you know, booked in the Heights here mm -hmm. um, and, and then went on to, to book uh, Curtis and Dreamgirls. And I don't know if I would have actually been able to do what I've done here had he not said that because yeah. I think I could have easily gone off a, on a different trajectory. I mean, I think, you know, with my personality and, and how, and I like people and mm -hmm. I like making money. I look good in a suit. I was like, yeah. I could easily do real estate and probably do well. And you know, like yeah. maybe, you know, I don't know where I could and have been. And it's acting, it's selling. It is, it is. It's, it's all acting. You know, you're putting on a face and selling something which maybe you might not agree with, but you're going to go, all right. Exactly. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and, and I mean, do you, I've done shows where I haven't necessarily agreed with everything, but that's part of the show. That's Doing part of the, the gig, time. you know, exactly. <laughs> and so, um, so I always kind of remember him saying that, and I kind of really hold that uh, very close to my heart because I don't know where I would be had he not said that. Yeah, um, especially when it comes from someone with such an impact. And totally. Do you know what I mean? Totally. The, I would love to work with him. Because I mean, if anyone had said it, it might not have meant anything. Sure. But because it's from someone that you look Admire, up to, yeah. you know, it, it really goes, makes you take a step back and go, oh, I need to invest in yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. It's kind of empowering, I yeah, guess. Yeah, of course. Of um, course. Well, I, I actually saw you doing that in the Heights here. Was that your oh. first thing you did? When that you was came my to first London? thing here. And that was f so crazy because I had actually auditioned for another show. Um, that was supposed to take place called Stardust Road. Uh -huh. And it was supposed to go to what is now the other palace. I don't know what it was called before. I forget. Sorry. That's great. And, um, Playing footsie under the table. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, the show ended up getting canceled. And I was like, oh, my God, after all those auditions. like, And, you know, I was one of the leads of that show. And I was really, really excited for it. And that was your first time not as an ensemble then, right? That was my first time not being in the in the ensemble, ensemble and leading. I mean, I had done like roles regionally in the States, but nothing on like a big scale stage, mm -hmm. you know? So I was very excited to do the show and it got canceled. And I was like, no, but I had remembered that I had seen in the Heights was supposed to be coming. 
And so I, I talked to my agent about it, um, Shepherd Management, which is James Beresford. He's amazing. Um, and he reached shout out. out. <laughs> shout out. And, uh, and he reached out to them, and they actually hadn't cast the show yet. They were mm -hmm. in final callbacks for the show. And, um, and they agreed to see me. And Sick. I was like, yes! I was so happy that I, ca that I caught them. Mm -hmm. And I went in, and my audition was like five minutes. What did you have to do? I had to sing um, Benny's Dispatch, and then I had to do like a scene or two. I can't really remember what scene it was. But I, it was like five minutes long. Like it was yeah. nothing. And I remember walking out being like, I think that went pretty well. And then that was on a Friday. And then the Monday morning, I got a call that I'd gotten it. And I was like, oh, my God. And it's it was a dream role. And Benny and In the Heights yeah. was. Yeah, it's my favorite musical. It's I've so ever seen. good. I, I didn't like musicals the entire time I was meant to be liking musicals and studying it. Sure. And then since having a career in as a in quotations commercial dancer, yeah, that we call it so stupid. But um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, everyone's a commercial yeah, dancer. Exactly. Yeah. We're all selling the product <laughs> yeah, exactly. when we're dancing. Who, we want to be paid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, and I really started like going right. Let's go and watch a few shows and found the love for it. Yeah. Went to watch my friend Jonathan Bishop oh, in the Heights. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so good. Known Jonathan since so he was like sweet. 16. Yeah. I went to watch it and I was like, this is amazing. Like, because yeah. it didn't feel all um, artsy-fartsy. Totally. You know, it wasn't like... It's not Oklahoma. Yeah, it's yeah. like, oh my God, they're rapping. Yeah. Like Sam McKay is rapping. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, You know what I mean? Like, it was so inspiring and I loved the stage. I liked how it was set in the middle. Like, yeah. Like, we're sat either side. I had never done a show like that before, actually, with a traverse stage where the audience is on both sides. And I loved that. It was so good. I felt, I felt like I was part of the show. Yeah. Because I could see an audience. Yeah. So I was like, I'm, I'm on stage. Yeah. Bit, you know? And but we felt you were part of the show as well. Yeah. And you feel so much closer. Yeah. Of course. It's, it, 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 I mean, the space wasn't like a huge space, but it, whatever size it is, when, you have, when the audience is that close, it just makes it so intimate. Yeah. And it does feel like everyone is in on it. And, and then the great thing about a show like that, where it has such high energy and it's, it's a celebration of culture, mm -hmm. it actually doesn't matter what culture you are because you're in on it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so it really is like a unifying come together moment for, for both the audience and yeah. the company. And it doesn't matter what culture you are because the cast is so diverse and completely, the, you know, and that's what, that was one of my favorite things about it is there were so many cultures within one cast yeah. and they all had their individual role and they paid their individual culture yeah. in one show. It wasn't just, Oh, here you go. Everyone is in ABBA. Yeah, totally. <laughs> you know what I mean? Totally, totally, totally. It was like so different and you could relate to people, like different people in the cast or different dancers, of like course. different shapes and sizes. Yeah. And it's it, the first truly. time I feel like I saw, uh, and on s even their ensembles, like everyone was a different shape different. and size, exactly. as opposed to going, we want white six foot. It's boys. not Forty Second Street, yeah. you know. And I think it's very easy with musical theater to s to say like we want our ensemble for everyone to be, you know, we want five foot eleven and blonde and you know like mm -hmm. the the difference shouldn't be in hair color. Yeah. I I personally for for musicals that I like, it's not about you know like everyone looks the same but like a different hair color. That's yeah, not yeah. interesting to me. No. I, I you should be able to follow you know that that ensemble member and see that they have a whole storyline whether they have lines or not. Yeah. There's there are relationships there. Yeah. Um and that's what I think was thrilling about in the heights like you said you it's different shapes, different sizes and everyone has something completely different going yeah, on. Yeah, and you can relate to a specific character. Totally. You know what I mean? And you go, "Oh wow, like they're intriguing or like you really connect to specific ones." Yeah. Uh, no, I really really enjoyed it. So, you did that for that was 2 years, right? That was running. I did that for about 10 I did that personally for about uh -huh. 10 months. 
um, I ended up taking, I booked Dream Girls while I was doing it. And I knew that Dream Girls was going to be another year contract. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, with two small kids, I thought to myself, and In the Heights was, a, you know, that's a big sing. It was a, it's a lot of show uh, yeah. for, for my track, um, for, for most of the tracks. And, it was a busy um, show. It's a busy show. And so I knew that I needed some time off for myself mm-hmm. and for my family. And mm-hmm. so I ended up taking like two and a half months off over the summer to just kind of relax, reset. And then I started Dream Girls, and that ended up being two years. And that, is, that was another big show. Yeah. Uh, a lot of heavy lifting um, for a lot of us. Um, and uh, It's a very vocally demanding show, isn't it? Totally vocally demanding. And, and also, it, for, for my character, you know, I'm, I'm really like the plot pusher. Mm-hmm. And it, it's a big arc. Um, and the amount of emotions that we have to go through in that show. I mean, there's not one. In, there were moments that were are maybe a little bit more on the um, less necessary side. So they just cut them. So everything moves. Everything, uh-huh. you know, when you watch Dreamgirls, like it just moves. Yeah. Um, and there's no time for, there were even times where they were like, we don't want applause. We don't want, we want to build and build and build. So there's no time for the audience to catch their breath. But if you're not catching your breath, neither are we. So we're just constantly going, going, going. And so, you know, after two years of going, 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 your body's like, help me. I'm done. I'm done. I need to be done. I'm done. Um, and, you know, I ended up getting sick after, after Dream Girls for like a month. Like my body just went into like oh, I bet. this like lay in bed and do nothing. Isn't stay. it funny how your body normally there's that when you stop exactly it's well, like it pushes it's like through it's like it knows it's going no you're gonna survive and then you go oh finally i can relax and your body goes are you fuck relax yeah yeah yeah, yeah. you're doing nothing you're doing nothing you're yeah. li- that's not relaxing you're not doing anything yeah yeah it's yeah. crazy it I happens love, every time yeah i love that you said you took two months out for yourself in between shows because as a performer it's really hard to do that yeah i find sometimes we're so caught up in gotta be busy yeah gotta be busy it's yeah. kind of like the thing like Oh, how are you? How's work? Yeah, busy. Well, you know, and I one of the things that I hate the most, actually, in in a lot of what we do in our in our business, w- is when you s- run into someone on the street and they ask, "How are you?" And by "How are you?" they mean, "What are you what working job are you on?" <laughs> and I, I, to me, like a job should not define you at all. I no. mean, ask ask me how my mom is. Ask me how my kids are. Ask yeah. me, you know, what's what are you doing as a hobby these days? Like what, there's so many things going on in my life that have nothing to do with my job. Yeah. So I think it's weird that that's kind of what people mean when they say, how are you? If you want to know about my job, ask me how my job is. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Um, and I, I'm a huge proponent for self care. Uh-huh. And you know, it, it, when I left in the Heights, it was something that I needed for myself and for my family. And there was really no one that was going to tell me otherwise. Yeah. Um, and I don't think people uh, take care of themselves enough in this business and they end up getting burnt out. Mm-hmm. And I, I love what I do and I don't want to get burnt out. Yeah. So if that means I have to take a little bit of time off for myself. And luckily, you know, like I said, I've worked a lot. I'm, maybe I'm in a position where, where I can do that, where other people can't do that. Mm-hmm. Um, I count my blessings that I, that I can do that. Yeah. You know, people need money. People need a lot of things mm-hmm. to, to get through. Um, you know, I'm not on my own. I, I, I do have a husband who works, you know, so. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I like it because the difference is with, well, say, say I'll use myself as an example. I don't have children. Mm-hmm. I don't have someone else to not be burnt out for. Everything sure. I do sacrifices kind of myself. For you. Obviously I have a girlfriend, but she understands this is the nature of the beast. Sure. And 
because you have a, a an actual family, you have a husband and a child, like you have to know that if you're exhausted and burnt out, that does carry over to oh, them. For sure. And your your energy affects your child's Absolutely. energy and your child's life and how they view things. Absolutely. So I guess sometimes you have to go, oh, I'm not actually the priority right now. Yeah. Well, and I mean, and even when I'm working, you know, like I don't, there was, we, we work six days a week, right? When mm -hmm. you're, when you're in, a, in a show on the West End, you work six days a week. Six days a week, I did not put my kids to bed. Six days a week, I did not give them a bath. I did not read them a bedtime story. Mm -hmm. Six days a week for basically three years straight. Yeah. Like, I want to do those things. You know, my kids are only, sometimes I look at them and I'm like, you're, they're only this small once. Yeah. You know, like, I'm not going to, when they're 12 years old, they don't want me to come in and read them a bedtime story. No. You know this, what I mean? This, what, where you are now molds them to of the course. character that they will become. Of course. And so that's why, you know, when... And, and it's not only, I, I don't think if it's only if you have kids, if it's something that you need to do for yourself, mm -hmm. I say do it. Yeah. You know, and people will get mad and people will think you're crazy and people, but fuck that. Yeah. Like who cares? You've got to it's look after you. yourself. Yeah. Cause no one else is looking after you. And Cause if you can't do it, they'll find someone else to do it and probably for cheaper. Yeah. True. <laughs> Normally the case. Yeah, of course. Like, even Younger if, and even, cheaper. Even if you can do it, if they can get some for yeah, cheaper. Yeah, of course. Yeah, do yeah, it. yeah. Especially in this country. Yeah. Uh. That's, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> why I left at <laughs> That's why I'm in France. <laughs> that's, why I, that's why I left. Um, do you find... Like, I know, obviously, you have a family, so you are you take breaks and stuff to look after them. But also, I guess you need to do it to invest in you to make sure that you're the healthiest and the happiest you can be, right? Yeah. Um, do you do any other things? What other things do you do to, like, take care of yourself? Like, well, to uh, invest in you, I guess. I, I'm, a, I'm, I'm big on, like, I do this thing. I started this program, which I'm actually not finished with. I'm kind of mm -hmm. in the middle of it. Um, and it's called The Artist's Way. And it's really about... Um, and maybe, maybe you find this, maybe you don't, because I mean, you do the podcast and all this thing. So maybe you don't find it as much as I do, but when I'm doing a show, oftentimes that kind of becomes the big thing that I'm doing. Mm -hmm. Right. And I kind of got to this place where I felt like creatively, I wasn't, the spark wasn't there. Like I didn't feel like I was, I mean, when you create a show, you create it, but once you're doing it over and over again, you're not really creating anymore. You're just, yep. you're creating in the moment, but mm -hmm. you're not creating in the grand scope of things yeah and i felt like that spark had kind of died and so my friend recommended this thing called the artist's way and it just kind of you do this thing called morning pages and it's just like writing writing stuff out every morning when you w the first thing you do when you get up is just write to get a lot of like the kind of mundane crap that you wake up and you think i gotta do this i gotta do this oh there's that thing and i got it gets all that on paper and out of your head so that way you kind of become this open vessel channel for creativity and i feel like in doing so i have kind of found myself again mm -hmm. you know when i was younger and i think most people when they're younger they don't have the people that have told them, you're not going to do that. You can't do that. You're not good at that. Oh, well, you're just this, you know, mm -hmm. and it does happen at some point in many people's lives. But I think once you start to remove a lot of other people's kind of stuff that they've put on you, mm -hmm. um, that spark starts to come back. And yeah. then you start thinking like, oh, well, I could do that. I could write that. So I've started like ri just writing stuff and then actually when that kind of energy starts flowing, then I notice like actually the universe starts to align with you and I've had more auditions pour in and mm -hmm. I've had, you know, auditions that I was like, I don't know that I'm really right for that. And then I'm like, well, why am I not right for it? And then I go and kill those auditions yeah. and whether I get it or not, it doesn't really matter because my, the idea 
of who I am and what I am and what I do has now grown exponentially. And so then it's like, well, I can do anything. And yeah. then all of a sudden you become very childlike where a child thinks they can do anything. And yeah, they, they do, there's they, no limitations there's to no kids. Limits. And so then all of a sudden I, I feel like that has been kind of the greatest self-care thing that I do. And then of course, like I love massages and things yeah. like that, <laughs> which I think it's important to just like take your time. I like to read. I like to just sit by myself. I like to... Some people don't like to do things by themselves. I will go to a movie by myself, and me. a show by myself. And like, me. I don't want to worry about your opinion. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. I just want to be alone. And, n you know, I oftentimes daily I step on a Lego or I have to deal with screaming or I have to do with, you know what I mean? Like, when I get my alone time, I will like my alone time. Uh -huh. And to me, however I choose to spend it, if it's in quiet and solitude, that is, that's, yeah. that's for me. That's taking care of me. I, I love that you've found a way to kind of meditate like by just writing all your things down totally i guess it's kind of like a form it's of meditation absolutely. right it's just clearing your mind absolutely it's getting rid of the, the trash that you don't need in there absolutely and, and making, making way for the goodness like opening it for you. clear stuff absolutely because always you know it's like one of those things like you said you wake up in the morning and you go oh my god i've got so much to do today yes. how am i going to do it all and then you don't even think of possible other things to do totally. because your brain is so crammed of all the the shit that's why i've got i've kind of got this theory that and I never used to have it. It's only like the past like two years as I'm becoming older and wiser. So wise. So wise. <laughs> um, red hot and wise. <laughs> red hot and wise. Nice. That's my new campaign. Yeah. It's um, going to be the slogan of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, I found that I always just try and get the things that I don't want to do done, that I don't want to do, I'm not looking forward to doing first. Sure. Because I used to be the person that'd be like, I'll do that. I'll do that later. I'll do you that don't later. do it. It never gets done. No. And then when it comes to getting it done, I'd be like, fuck. And yeah. it ruins my whole day. Totally. You know what I mean? Whereas actually if I just go, oh, I've got to do got to do my laundry this morning. I really don't want to do that. Just put it in the washing machine. It's and then you can do something else while it's – while you're then, not washing. Then, it's not like olden days yeah. where you're like scrubbing it on a washboard. Yeah. And you then know? it's like I'll go to the gym, come back, washing's done. Da -da -da -da, you know, and Boom. it's about being proactive. And then yeah. by midday, I'm like – my God, I can do whatever I want now. Absolutely. Like it's so easy. Whereas normally you'll sit there and you'll go, I'll do it in a minute and you'll just sit and watch TV yep. and be very unproductive. Or on your phone for like two hours. Just trying to nothing. avoid accomplishing the things that need to be done. And yep. then, yeah, it stops me from being creative. Like, and I always say with like, even with the podcast, like I've been in rehearsals all day yeah. and you're exhausted and you're like, oh, I can't be bothered traveling. And it's like, man the fuck up yeah. just get your ass there and then when once you're in the moment like creativity sparks totally. again because you i've got i've got that bit that i don't like out of the way yeah you know what i mean yeah, like yeah, yeah peak time traveling through london it's probably my worst thing in the entire world i despise it but then once you go through it you go this is wonderful well and it's over you yeah, know what i mean like you, you don't really have a choice in the matter when it comes to you know like if you're at rehearsal like unless you live at rehearsal you gotta travel yeah, you yeah, know? yeah, yeah. so and i think we do i think we as people kind of do get hung up on these kind of mundane things that in actuality we have no choice. Yeah. So why bitch and moan about and it? And it's not that big a deal. It's not that big of a deal. <laughs> so just get it over with. Yeah. Yeah. Well. No, definitely. I'm glad you've traveled. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> I'm having a great time. Um, with um, Dream Girls, yeah. what, um, did you find that you grew yourself as a person and a performer? Because obviously you were ensemble for such a long time yeah. of your career and you were saying that, you know, you really wanted to break past that. Yeah. And in the Heights was that stepping stone. Yeah. But then obviously playing one of the leads in probably one of the biggest shows of our decade, yeah. like in this country anyway, yeah. you know, when Dream Girls came to London, everyone was like, holy fuck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, what was that like? Yeah. Um, I definitely grew as a person and as a performer and it was not without its challenges. And, you know, um, I, 
my kind of subconscious resisted a lot to allow myself to not only enjoy it, but mm-hmm. to, to recognize that you're here. Mm-hmm. You made it where you wanted to be. So not only enjoy it, but thrive, take it and run with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I would say it made me um, a stronger actor, a stronger singer, a stronger dancer. I mean, leading a huge dance number with all guys, like you don't see that. Rarely do you see that in musical theater. Yeah. Um, so to, to be able to get to do that, like it just kind of reminded me that I'm good at what I do mm-hmm. and there's still more room for growth, but like look how far you've come. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, and also to get to work with other insanely talented people, like mm-hmm. we pushed each other. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, of course I grew as, as a performer. And then, and then obviously when you, when things are going well and, and you are being challenged, you know, other areas of your life just kind of fall in line. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I felt like I was, because I could own a, a huge chunk of me that I don't necessarily think I owned before Dream Girls. Yeah. Then I could show up to be a better dad for my kids and a better husband for because, my yeah, husband. Because you know? you're satisfied within you and what you're doing. You exactly. Like you've accomplished. And they play off of each other. There are times where, you know, like if I had kind of like a shitty day at home, it could affect me at work. Mm-hmm. But then there were, you know, huge kind of milestones and things with my kids or, you know, that would be so great and then I would go to work and it, it would just open up like a different layer of something in, in, in the piece. And, I, and I'm one of those people that never kind of believes that the work is done. There's mm-hmm. always something that, you know, a little nugget of truth that you can find somewhere else or a different way to play something slightly that still falls within the parameters of what you've created, but you can find something new that will, that will in turn spark something different in someone else. And so I feel like if everyone kind of believes that the work isn't done, we all can constantly continue to grow, not only as performers, but as people. As people. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, walking away from Dreamgirls, you know, uh, I left the show two months before it closed because two years is a lot. And, with, and two years with that show specifically was a lot. Um, so I, I think my, my journey with the show at that time was, was done. Um, I was sad to see it go, though, because it was such a huge inter- integral part of who I had become, yeah. you know. Um, but, yeah, I, I will always be grateful. I will always be grateful to Dreamgirls um, for for what it, it provided me um, personally and professionally. Yeah. Um, what, what are some of the things that you find most difficult in this industry for you personally? Some of the stru- like some of the challenges. Um, I w- eight shows a week. <laughs> eight shows, you know, in opera they do what two a week, mm-hmm. maybe yeah. three, maybe ballet they do two a week. Oh, yes. three, normally do four, five, maybe. Max. You know, I think you're kind of saying like, okay, so we want you to have the technical dance ability of a uh, hip hop dancer, ballet dancer, jazz dancer, tap dancer. We want you to have the the vocal training of an opera singer and a pop singer. You need to be able to do it all. Mm-hmm. Um, we want you to have the acting training of, you know, any great actor. We want you to be able to do all of that. And then we want you to do it eight times a week. Yeah. And then we want to pay you less than any of those other people. Yeah. So that I find slightly infuriating at times. Um, but at the same time, like I do love what I do. So mm-hmm. when you, usually the starting is the hardest part. And once you get out there, you're fine. Yeah. Um, and 
you know, there are also some things that, that kind of differ between countries. You know, like there are things in New York that are harder and, and here are easier. You know, for instance, in New York, you, you get, if you're, if you're lucky enough for your show to run a year, you'll get a one-week holiday for every six months you work. Mm. So that's only 14 days. Well, work days, that's only 12 work days off a year. And then sick days, you get 13 sick days in the States. So that's not that much time off. No, that's for not a, a lot of time job. For someone who's, yeah. you know, some sh- doing who's two shows You're a busting day. your ass. Yeah, and, and then, shows. you know, for me, where you're married, I mean, you know, my husband isn't in the business. So I, when do we go on holiday together? Mm-hmm. He's got, I don't know, four or five weeks of holiday. And, you know, you got kids. So when do when am I supposed to take them on holiday? Mm-hmm. And my holiday can't always line up with you know, their school holidays, you know, and then it's, of course, when you're playing the role, like at Dreamgirls, I had three understudies, so I can't go on holiday when the three of them are on holiday. I couldn't go on holiday when the Effie was on holiday, the Dina, the Laurel, the Jimmy. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, so when can I actually go? Yeah, when can I do me? Exactly. But then here for, you know, holiday-wise, although you have to compete with other people's schedules, you know, you get four or five weeks of, I think four weeks no, I think it's like five weeks of holiday here, mm. and then you still get a month of sick days here. Yeah. So it's like, but then it ha- presents its own challenges because then when are you actually doing the show with the original cast? Yeah, rarely. Because then you're going in for reblocks. Well, then exactly. You, then you end up working more time than you would have exactly. because you're going in two hours early every day, and you get paid less. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So technically, <laughs> so there's a lot of you know there's a lot of give and take. Each country presents its own its own challenges every business has its pros and its cons of course you know and and i'm I'm not naive to think that that's not the case um but uh you know i think in our business um we are our instruments yeah and i think that by the people the powers that be and also by the audience i I think they forget that sometimes we can't buy a new hammer no like we can't buy new tools exactly like if you bust a leg that's your leg, and that could be your career. If I, if if you, you know, something falls on your face and you have a huge gash in your face, like that's it. That's it. You're yeah. Like your career changes. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so it presents its challenges, but at the same time, like you said, I never had a plan B, and there's nothing else that I w- want to be doing. I mean, I'd like to be doing, you know, film and TV and, you know, yeah. things like that. But uh, it's not like I'm, like, secretly wanting to be a pediatrician or anything like that. You know N- what I mean? Nothing that's outside the realm of what you already do. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. That you're not already equipped for, yeah, I yeah, guess. Yeah, yeah, Except real estate. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I can still <laughs> I can still do it. I can still <laughs> nice perks. Yeah, I can make a buck somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good part-time hustle. Yeah, why you know not? Mean, on your one day off. Why not? You know, who knows what the, you never know what the future holds, you know. 100%. So, um. Um, do you see yourself performing for a lot longer? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually, quite honestly, I mean, I'll take that that I look like I'm in my late 20s, but I'm 35 years old, and I actually feel like I'm just getting started. Mm. I feel like, you know, in this business, I think it's uh, it's very easy because it's a difficult business, and everyone wants to do it, mm-hmm. you know, um, and it can be hard to book jobs. You know, I think I can... I'm not speaking for you, but I think you've probably been fortunate to work a lot as well. Mm-hmm. And so you, you, you can take it for granted how many people are actually trying to do what it is you're lucky enough to get to do. Yeah. Um, but I think because of that, it's very easy to get complacent. And, you know, there was a period of my career in New York um, for about six years where I knew I didn't want to be in the ensemble. I knew I didn't want to be the understudy. I knew I didn't want to dance hard eight mm-hmm. shows a week anymore. 
but I did. It was easy, you know, for my agent at the time. I kind of became a cash cow, you know, like I'm not really doing what I want to do, but I'm working and I get the perk of when people ask me what I do. Oh, I'm in this Broadway show. It is what it is. It's yeah. fine, you know. You still get the status with it. Exactly. And it wasn't until I w stopped and and actually therapy helped a lot um, where I started to realize like, wait, I'm not actually going after what I want to be doing. And if we're the ones that are lucky enough to be doing what it is that we want to be doing, why am I not doing what I want to be doing? Mm -hmm. So things kind of started to shift. And now that I have been able to do what it is that I want to be, that I've wanted to be doing, now I'm kind of like, oh, mm. now I'm actually starting. Yeah. Now is the time where I'm like, okay, now I want to go after that and I want this mm -hmm. and I can do that and I know I can do that. And uh, people told me for a long time that I couldn't do that, but I'm going to do that. Yeah. And so now I feel like 35, I'm just ramping up. Yeah. Well, they say 30s is a, a, a male's prime. I think I mean? so. Mentally and physically. Your, like tw your 20s, I mean. You're still I figuring shit out. You're figuring you're everything out. You're still figuring out. out you. And you're having a lot of fun. And I'll tell you, in my 20s, I partied so much. And not that I don't anymore at all yeah, but that's not I the just conversation we just had yeah, no, 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 no 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 i mean it, you know i i still do and i think you can and i think you should if you enjoy doing it i think you should but i think i had to get to the place where i was like wait a minute i'm spending all my money and i'm repeating my nights same drinks same friends same mm -hmm. places and yet i'm still here wondering why i'm not where i want to be yeah but in my 30s, I mean, I've gone after everything that I can go after, and I've accomplished more in the that half of a decade than I did an entire decade of my 20s. And I have more money, and I have, you know, the family that I've wanted, and I, I have, you know, a lot of things going for me, and I'm able to, to sit back and recognize that I'm absolutely blessed to have the things that I have. But there's more, and I want more. I'm and so excited to be 35. <laughs> it's the best, man. I mean, I have a lot of gray hair now, I can but see it it's in your face. It's, I love it. That smile is genuine. I, genuinely, <laughs> but I it's do. funny, isn't it? Because I remember being like first starting out, and when I first got, the, I call it the domino effect. I got my first job, and then bang, kept rolling and rolling. The first you job know. is the hardest. First Once you get the hardest. first one, you're like boom, and then boom, it's boom. the domino effect. Yeah. And I remember being like, life can't get better than this, and. You know, that's at 22 years old and now I'm 28 and I don't perform on the biggest TV shows anymore. I have a stable con kind of contracted job where I do the same show all year round, but I travel around. It gives me enough money in my pocket that I can live comfortably yeah. and enough time where, so say I do four shows a week sometimes, on my days off, I can still venture out and invest in other things in me. Well, work-life balance is so yeah. crucial. And it's so crucial. Before that, it was always like thinking like as a self-employed commercial quotations dancer, you know, it's job to job. Yeah. It's week to week. Yeah. And not having to go, fuck, what am I going to do next week? Yeah. I've got nothing in. Oh yeah, what's God, wrong with me? I've got nothing in for three weeks. Yeah. Why, why aren't I being booked? Yeah. Like, why is that person the job and not me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And not having that stress anymore. And, you know, it was a, it served great purpose when it was there and it built me to be who I am now. Well, I think that's youth as well. Yeah, I mean, of you, course. You think that you, you have to be doing something all the time or you're not worth anything. Or you're not worth anything. And you want to be seen doing something all the time. Yeah. But now it's like, Oh, like, okay, I'm not doing the job which is like uh, in front of the entire world and I'm not a rock star, but I still enjoy it. I'm yeah. still having a good time. Yeah. And I've got quality time to invest in my family, yep. invest in me, yep. invest in friends and figure out what's next. And what I've noticed has helped me a lot and it's actually since starting the podcast is trying to pursue something new. Sure. Um, learning something new from yeah. scratch yeah. and being bad at something again. Yeah. 
it's like, hard the, it's, it's really challenging it's hard, yeah when you feel like you've you really i would don't want to say mastered something but when you've done really well in one aspect of your life in to your career the to then go let's try something new yeah. i want to try podcasting because one day i want to be a presenter so yeah. this is a great way to start to learn how to talk to people and then you're like you do your first few and you're like i'm really bad at this <laughs> 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 you know what i mean and i've only this is like my 46th podcast that's amazing and i listen back to the first 10 and i listen to the current ones and i go oh what listen yeah but you can hear the difference like in such a short amount of time like since april till now i've been doing it so under a year yeah and like you can hear the difference and then it's exciting because it's like when it's like that's the equivalent of going to your first audition yeah and getting cut in the first round and yeah. then going to your 10th audition and making it to the end you sure. might not get the job but it's still that yeah there's Progress. a progression yeah and it's so exciting to yeah. have that again in something new yeah well i think that's kind of uh to me that's life that's that's l truly living because i think once you feel like there's nothing left to learn then what's the point mm -hmm. you're it's like the same thing as the just keep swimming kind of thing like if when you stop swimming you die like yeah. if you're not going to continue to learn you will not continue to grow and but that's the interesting thing is you look out into the world and you and i'm sure there are even people that you work with sometimes that you're like you're stuck like you you think you know it all you yeah. can't grow anymore there's nothing left for you to learn and i don't want to be around those people i want to be around people that start something new and they're growing because when they have that spark mm -hmm. that curiosity that's what leads them to the next thing and that mm -hmm. inspires me to then yeah. go and try something new and go after something new and i think that's how that's life that's mm. truly living and I, I actually had a friend who um we were t we were talking about this and she said to me at one point in a joking manner she was like i just feel like i've peaked and then i it got me thinking about peaking like people peaking in life and some uh -huh. people say like oh i they peaked in high school or they you know your your 50s is that's when you kind of peak and then it goes downhill and i'm like I don't ever want to peak. No. Like there's so much. I look at old, you know, older people like, you know, like Cicely Tyson, for instance. And I'm just thinking to myself, like, she is in her, what, her 80s? And she is killing. I mean, she's just on the cover of Time magazine, like yeah. killing the game. Because I think if you always keep that constant curiosity, that kind of zest for life and that, that, that um, need for growth and uh -huh. learning, you don't peak. Yeah. You just keep going, keep learning. Yeah. And then I think you end up living longer and, and living a more fulfilled life. And even if it's outside of the realm that you think that you know. Oh, it doesn't matter. I mean, if I, I mean, go to Ikea and buy a, a, a cupboard and put it together. That's something. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's just, it, it's very easy, I think, to stay in the realm of where you're comfortable. But mm -hmm. there is no growth in, com in the comfortable. No. You have to go outside your comfort zone to grow. No. So I think it's awesome that you started this. Yeah. I think it's 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 actually amazing. I would be very interested to hear some of your earlier ones. Please but I think this is going quite well. If you go back to the first episode, it's with who's my choreographer of the job I'm on now. It's oh, Jordan Durrell, who he had a like he's done quite a lot of work in the West End. Uh -huh. And uh I really he's had a he's got such an amazing story of where he's come from to where he's got to and it's mind blowing. But you just even hear it, like the equipment I use, I have no knowledge, I have no understanding of how to use a microphone. Sure. Do you mean that sound quality is awful? And even that was just such a process, like learning, oh, why do these podcasts keep sounding crap? Yeah. Why do I keep messing up these things? It's because you face the microphone at the wall and not in the right place. Sure. Okay, I need it. And you know, learning how to edit, it's yeah. all learning new skills and no one's teaching me these things. I'm kind of doing it as I go along. Yeah. And 
it's on the job training sometimes it's frustrating when you need something to be perfect and it's not but at the same time then when you solve that it's like oh it's such an endorphin release you know what i mean it's like that instant gratification that we like as humans yeah like at the moment where it's like oh my picture got a thousand likes like it's that adrenaline rush which that's a whole like but, other but, conversation I but hate but that. it's like i've earned it because i've figured it out and i've yeah. took the time to learn and well thing. you and you asked yourself the questions you know you didn't just do it and then you're like well i guess that's good enough that's one of the things i hate the phrase good enough yeah i think the good enough and great do not live in the same that'll world. do that'll do yeah 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 like i just yeah. can't take it and i also don't like um i mean i'm all for being supportive of people and i'm all for for um celebrating things but i am not one for when people like do like an okay job and then when people say like it was brilliant i'm like that is the worst thing you can say to someone because when you tell someone that something was brilliant where does the work come yeah there's no growth after that say like great job thank you so much now here's what we need to work on i think there's a way to celebrate and continue the work uh -huh. as opposed to just saying like that was amazing period yeah like i just i can't well, get okay here's a question for you so we're in the we're in the world now where everything is about it's it's about participating yeah it's about trying uh -huh. you know everyone gets a everyone gets a medal. a medal yeah everyone gets a well done yeah especially with children yeah um and that's not real life no that's not, not how it works in the real world how do you how do you manage that with your children well i mean because you're a person which understands how to you, you know you you understand the real world yeah and you live that life where it it'll do doesn't yeah. exist yeah, yeah, yeah how do you manage manage to carry that and teach that to your children well you know i think i th they're very young so um you know they're not in like how old are they they're four mm -hmm. they're not really like in any extracurricular things right now but we are doing things like um for instance we'll at home i know a, a lot of parents probably let their kids watch like tons of TV and be on the iPhone and the iPad and the and just play all the time. And we we occasionally let them watch TV a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um and we uh we let them play obviously, but we like educational things. We like where it's constant learning and we'll even get we get like workbooks and we work on drawing letters and things like that because I think that you can you can support people but i think you if you want them to succeed then you have to teach them how to succeed mm -hmm. and i don't you know i don't i don't want i don't want my kids to 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 be given medals and things like that if they if it's not earned, earned. um just like i don't want a medal if mm -hmm. i if i haven't earned it mm -hmm. i don't want something just because people feel like oh it's a nice thing to do because then what does it mean if we're handing out I don't know, Academy Awards or Olivier Awards, say. Uh -huh. If we're handing out Olivier Awards to just anyone because they showed up, then what about all the people who earned them in the beginning? Yeah. Like, what are, we th what are we now doing then? We're just, it doesn't mean anything. Mm -hmm. nothing has, if nothing has meaning, then what are we doing? What's yeah. it all for? Yeah. You know, we're, uh, and we're already equating, like, I guess it's, it's different in something like sports, for instance, where, you know, there's clearly a winner or a loser. Yeah. But it's instance, like you scored five, you scored two, you win, you lose. Exactly. But in something like the arts, which, which many people can debate, you know, to it's opinion based, it's opinion based because it's art is completely subjective. And mm -hmm. so it's like, well, what's better? You know, you can't really pit a comedy versus a drama because they're so vastly different. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think that, um, 
you need to you need to just kind of uh, remember that if you're going to end up doing that, that you you need to just give it to give it to the person that truly earns it in that moment. And I find that some years it's like, oh, well, we owed someone for that performance because they didn't win for that one and they should have. So this year we're going to give them that. And I'm like, what are we doing? Yeah. What are we doing? Did you hear um, Drake's speech at the Grammys? I did not. So basically he comes out and he's like, he wins an award and he's like, thank you so much. Da 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 da. And he, he makes the point of going, just know that we're in an opinion based game. Yeah. And me winning uh, is amazing. However, if you didn't win, that doesn't mean you're not a winner. Yeah. Like, that doesn't so mean true. you're not great. Oh God, it so doesn't true. mean you're not successful. Yeah. He's like, if people are spending their hard-earned money on buying your song or listening to your music, and if they can sing every word back to you, you're, you're a winner, whether yeah. you walk away with a trophy or not. Oh, I love that. And I was like, that's so dope because people, you know, we people don't really say stuff like that anymore, especially within the arts world, you know. Of I, course. You know. You we, we've turned everything into a competition. Yeah. You know. Except for... With children, we teach them, we're preparing them yeah. that everyone's a winner. Yeah. And it's two complete different spectrums. And, and, we, need to, and we need to really define what the idea, yeah, like, like Drake has, what a winner is and what a loser is. Yeah. You know, and it's okay to lose something. It doesn't mean you're a loser. Yeah. Even if you win, it doesn't mean you're necessarily a winner. You mm -hmm. know, like I think um, there, are, there are deeper societal issues where yeah. that, that are involved yeah. that play in that. So. And it carries over, doesn't it? Because I always think sometimes like, uh, I've got this theory where it's say yes to everything. Yeah. You might just learn not to do it again. Absolutely. And even you doing something and it not going as planned or not in quotations succeeding. Yeah. Doesn't mean you didn't grow from it. Yeah. Doesn't mean you didn't win because you might have learned that. I you, don't want that. I don't ever want to audition for that yeah, person absolutely. again. And that's something that you've learned because you yeah. might have saved hard doing cash yeah. or a heartbreak or reject a job that you thought you'd want. Absolutely. You know, everything is winning technically absolutely I, I i do think that life is it's um it's an education and you learn something from everything and i actually i read shonda rhymes uh year of yes and so i started saying yes to a lot of things and you do you end up learning like um you know i don't want to work for that person because they're a shady business person or like maybe you go out on a date and it's with someone that is against type or something like mm -hmm. that, but you might have great laughs and you might end up making a best friend or you might meet a friend through that person who you just don't know. Mm -hmm. Life is full of so many surprises. And I think if you do show up and say yes, mm -hmm. life shows up to meet you. Yeah. If you show up and say no, like, yeah, you can always Netflix and chill by yourself. And sometimes I think that's important to take the time to do that. But I think that if that's kind of your MO of it's always like, no, no, mm -hmm. no, no. The universe shows up with no. And, yeah. and those, like we talked about earlier, how, you know, creativity kind of hits you or, and, and you channel these things. Uh, it's like the, the, the channel shuts down mm. and then all of a sudden, like nothing's sparking through you and yeah. nothing, there's no, there's no motivation or, or anything going on with you. And then it's like, so what's the point? Yeah. You're going to lead this kind of like dark, dank life. Like yeah. And it's funny because the two things in my career, which I never really wanted to do, but I said yes to my two favorite jobs I've ever done. Really? Yeah. Like, uh, do you know what pantomime is? Yeah. So we have panto here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I never wanted to do panto ever. Uh -huh. I was always like, eh, it's for like college students. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I've danced for Justin Bieber. <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? Like, I thought I was above it because I was an arrogant 21-year-old. Totally. Fucking toss. <laughs> do you know what I mean? And then I got offered it just before I was moving to LA and I was like, I need the money. Sure. Like, I'm going to take it. And they pay it. well. And then I was like, can my friend do it with me? Yeah, of course. We'll take you both. Double win great yeah. so we go and do it 
and I was thinking it's just quick cash. It's some time together with my best friend before I moved to LA. Yeah. Like, it's like eight weeks together. Oh my God, it was the best experience of my entire life. Really? It made me fall in love with acting. Not yeah. that I act, but I never had a really a care for it except for when I was a kid. And I was like, this is cool. It made me learn how to like engage with an audience. I used to sit side stage every single show and watch every single line yeah. and look at how they interacted and learn the staging, learn why the lights come on, why they enter on specific cues, mm -hmm. you know, why when one person speaks, they walk in front of the other person. Like it's to, craft. It's the craft yeah. of it. And yeah. I was like, oh my God, I'm learning so much. And all I ever used to care about was what art is my dancing behind and that's how I learn. Sure. And, you know, saying yes to something which I thought I was above. Yeah. I've actually learned more from that than anything. Yeah. And the same with Dream Boys that I'm doing now. I never really wanted to do that. Yeah. I just thought, I'll give it a go. They need someone to learn the show quick. Quick cash is an experience. I don't want to. I love it. I, I love it. Yeah. Like, and it's actually just from being open to the things which I thought I was better than sure. or above. Sure. I've actually gone, wow. These on the grand scheme of how people view it are, yeah. are lower than the things that I've done in my past. But I, yeah, I'm having more fun. Yeah. And I'm learning more. Maybe, I'm maybe not even lower, just different. Different. Just yeah. different. And I think too, you know, like, um, you know, when I when I was in school, you for musical theater, I still had to take like, you know, um, costume design course and technical theater course and this that and the other. And you know, in the in in the moment when I was there, I was like, oh, I want to be an actor. Like I don't like this. But then now that I have been around for so long, I'm so glad that I did because it you have you develop a, an appreciation for the other things, and uh -huh. then you know how to talk to someone about something else. I, <laughs> I know how to talk to a music director, a lighting designer, a sound designer. A, mm -hmm. And, you know, no matter if it's Panto or Justin Bieber or Dream Boys, there's a lighting designer and a sound designer. And yeah. a, you know what I mean? And so, like, it's, it's, when you learn those types of things, it just, it just gives you a, 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 a wealth of information to draw from. That's mm -hmm. all that it is. You know, if no one really wants the, the, the arrogant 21-year-old who thinks they know everything when in yeah. actuality all they know how to do is a 5, 6, 7, 8 on this spot. Yeah, and, and I was that kid. We all I mean? were. Yeah. We all were. And, you, and you know, and that's part of being young is that you do think you know everything. Everyone, when they're young, thinks that they know everything. But I think the sooner that you realize that you don't know everything, you can start the kind of road to recovery where you can begin learning again. Uh -huh. And once you start that, then you realize that the world is your oyster and there's, you never know everything. No. It doesn't matter who you are. You never know everything. There's always someone to learn from. Absolutely. No, 100%. If you could give one bit of advice to someone who really wants to make a profession and a career of what we do, what would it be? Mm. Besides the obvious, work hard. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, obviously work hard. <laughs> That's the generic. Hard. When <laughs> anyone writes, do you have advice? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, work hard. Work hard. Being... being um, kind but similarly to what we've already talked about i would say it's it's about it's about saying yes it's about staying open and saying yes to things that you don't want to do if you've never done it and you say i don't want to do that ask yourself why you don't want to do that because mm -hmm. if you think it's because of a b and c or someone else told you that it's this and you're like find out for yourself mm -hmm. Because then you will know. You yeah. Maybe you'll never want to do it again, but maybe you'll just stumble into something that you absolutely loved and will remain one of your favorite things that you've ever done. And Or maybe that w can lead you into a path like, there are people that 
I went to school with that studied acting were great actors, said yes to other uh, opportunities, yeah. and they're no longer actors, and they're doing something else. And that doesn't mean that they failed at being an actor. It means they found out what they loved, and they yeah. went after that, and they're successful doing that. They succeeded at life. Exactly. And that, to me, that is what life is. It mm-hmm. really is just saying yes and finding your, your passion and your path. And if you change your mind, you change your mind. It mm-hmm. doesn't mean you failed. Although I do think that failure is part of life. So, you know, there's, there's no right way, wrong way. Your, your path is going to be your individual path and no one can speak for you. But I, I think if you say yes, although there will be hard times, there's going to be hard times anyway. No matter what. No matter if what. if you think you're doing the, the most dream position. I've done amazing jobs that have had negative yeah, attributes, you know. So I think um, say yes. And I think... At the end of the day, even if hard times befall you, you will be grateful. And the person that you become from being a yes person versus a no person will only serve you in life. And therefore, your career, no matter what it ends up being, will will flourish. Mm-hmm. So yeah. say yes. Say yes. <laughs> On that note, thank you so much, Thank my you so much. I've this had has been an absolute blast. <laughs> likewise. likewise. Like, is, isn't it the best way to get to know someone? No, I really, really love it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's so fun. And it makes you go, I'm going to really speak my mind now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's dope. Well, thank you so much. I wish you all the best thank with you. your next two weeks in London. Thank you very much. And hopefully you have a lovely time back in France, but you come back soon. Thank you. No, I will be back, I'm you sure. You will be back, I'm yeah. sure. Lead in some other show I, uh, or a film. We, we or will see now we're talking. Hey, <laughs> now you're talking. Thanks, bud. You Good excited, to meet you. You excited for Aladdin? And you Aladdin? I just saw the trailer yesterday. Uh, I'm a bit like, Ooh. so I love. I don't, I don't like Jafar's voice. No, me neither. Why does it sound like a sexy camp guy? I don't know. And I also love Will Smith, but it's, it. I'm not. I can't. I. I don't want to judge it before I've seen it. Mm-hmm. But that being said, like Aladdin is one of my favorite Disney movies of all time. I could probably quote the entire thing sitting here, here right now. I wrote a paper, a sociology paper, for my senior year in college on, on Aladdin. Aladdin. Got an A. Thank you very much. And <laughs> so I love Aladdin, and I just don't want to see it butchered. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we'll see. I think they're going to do a good job. I've got. Faith. I hope so. Fingers crossed. Only because it's Will Smith. And I, I, and I love Will Smith. I think yeah. he's one of the funniest guys. Um, but it's. I guess Robin Williams is so ingrained in me that That's I'm interested to see what what he's going to do. Yeah. We're, we're automatically comparing, whereas we need to not compare. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be different. I mean, a, a cartoon is going to be far different from a live action. Thing, Indeed. So we anyway, see. I had to get your opinion on that because <laughs> I saw it and I haven't spoken to anyone about it. No, I'm sure it, it'll be beautiful. And obviously, the music is amazing and the story is amazing. So, like, I mean, will I be there with, like, a full large popcorn and large soda? Absolutely. Oh, yes. <laughs> but we will see. We'll see. <laughs> Thank you so much, man. Thanks for having me. Bye. This episode was brought to you by Level Up Dance Academy, bringing you premium dance training, making you the best dancer you can be so you can have a career better than me. Rhymes, bars, rap star. I'm out. Bah. Thank you for listening to the Ins and Outs podcast. Please leave us a five-star rating and review on iTunes. Subscribe, share with your friends and family, and also follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We out. Peace.